This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to When in Romance, Book Riot's podcast for discussing all things in the romance bookish world. I am not Jess. I am Trisha. My lovely, wonderful co-host Jess is out this week. We are swapping um, vacation days this month. So I am joined by Book Riot's lovely own Jen Northington. You want to say hi, Jen? Hi! I always love coming on to When in Romance. It's so fun. And we are delighted to have you. We are recording on recording a little early. So we're recording yes. on August 10th. So if anything exciting happens in like the next <laughs> 11 days, that's not our fault. No. And you can blame me entirely because I'm going camping next week. And I was like, Trisha, I would love to be the guest on the show. However, can we record like super early? So here we are. I feel like, I mean, knock on wood, I feel like Jess did the hero's work of covering the major romance scandal of the month last episode. So... Oh my goodness. I like am so relieved not to have to talk about that. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. Yeah, uh, we are speaking, of course, of the hockey romance Kraken nightmare. Um, and as someone who wrote a piece for Book Riot about how everything I know I learned from <laughs> everything I know about hockey, I learned from romance, specifically about a Kraken game. I was like, well, good thing oh. I didn't mention a single hockey player because... Yeah. I do not know any of their names. So, well, I I think that just proves there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Like right there. Yes. There you go. See, thank you. See, this is why we <laughs> love having Jen on the show. So much validation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we are so happy to have you. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Some things that I think you are uniquely able to talk about. But one of the things that Jess and I always start with Jen is a little check in on what we're reading. What are you reading these days? Yeah, I'm like for once in my life reading an actual like it's a physical book that wow. I got. I know. I know. I mean, something bananas like 90% of my reading is digital these days between the Same. library and digital arcs. But I went to Asheville to see also oh, yeah. Book Riot's own Sharifa Williams. And we went to the bookstore because of course we did. And Obviously. I saw a book by a favorite author of mine that I didn't even know existed, which is like literally what I want when I walk into a bookstore is for them to surprise me. So I I grabbed yes. Maroons by Adrienne Marie Brown, which is this like post-plague, fabulous, queer ghost story. I don't even know. Like I'm halfway through it and I could not predict to you what is going to happen next. It is so well written, which is not a surprise. Brown is an amazing writer. It's so well envisioned. It all takes place in Detroit. So if you have like any Detroit connections, oh, nice. it's super neighborhood focused. And it does have this like very complicated, like super hashtag complicated queer romantic subplot going on that I also am like, where is what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm extremely enjoying it. Um, what about you? You know, it's funny that you mention a book by an author that you love that you didn't know existed because uh, I am reading A Walk in the Park by Rebecca Weatherspoon, who is an author I love. And she just had a YA book come out, but I did not realize that she had – well, so she wrote this book. It's a novella. It came out as an Audible original like a year oh, ago. This keeps yeah. happening to me. Yes, uh, yes. Where I find that like – Romance Authors I Love wrote Audible originals that were recorded as Audibles a year ago, and then now are available in, quote unquote, print, digital print. Yeah. And so I saw it pop up. I think it just came out on digital, like, maybe the end of July. Mm. Uh, so I saw her tweet about it, bought it immediately, of course. Because <laughs> one of the things that Jess and I have talked about is that a lot of the romance authors that we love have not had anything new come out for adults in the last mm. 6 to 12 to 18 months. And so I was so excited to see 
that there was a new adult romance from Rebecca Weatherspoon. It's it's so funny. It's about like the premise of it is so bizarre. It's that these two people independently have never met each other. They're both planning on adopting a dog. Some disgruntled employee at the shelter has like signed multiple people up to adopt the same animals. So like so there are like six people that have been told that they could have, you know, Sparky. And there are like <laughs> Four people who have been told that they can have this cat. And so Zeus, this one dog, has been promised to two different people, Andre and Janelle. There's only one dog. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, yes. Sorry. That's exactly what it is. And uh, so as as happens when there's only one bed, they decide to share. Of course. Because Andre and Janelle are both going through a tough time. They both feel like they should have this dog. So I'm only maybe like 20, 25% away through it. And it's a novella. So it's a quick read. But so far, it is lovely and charming. And I am very excited to get back to it uh, later this afternoon, probably. I'm going to have to get that. This also renews my request that I made in the like Book Riot Romance channel and Slack forever ago. I was like, I want like all of the variations on There's Only One. Like I personally yes. have talked about There's Only One Mechanic. Now we're talking about There's Only One Dog. Like There's Only One mm-hmm. Horse is a thing yep. sometimes. Like it's not yeah. just beds. There's Only One X. Like give me all of the There's Only One. There's Only One Dilapidated Castle. Right, that's right. (laughs) There's so many options. So many options. There's so many options. I just love it. Well, I think that is a wonderful start to the podcast. We will continue with this momentum in just a second. We're going to stop and do a quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a couple of quick announcements before we get into the, like, just the very heart of the episode. The first is that The Perfect Find is our next book club and adaptation book. So this is very exciting. We have The Perfect Find, the book by Tia Williams is out there. Get it from your library, do whatever you like. But they have also made it into a movie on Netflix so you can watch it and read it. We're going to discuss both at the end of September, um, possibly early October. So you got a little bit of time, partly because Jess and I are not on the same episode for like two months. So we're going to get together. (laughs) We're going to have a conversation. We are super excited about it. Um, The links are in the show notes. And the other announcement is just a reminder of TBR. If you would like to escape the dog days of summer with perfect book recommendations, let tailored book recommendations pick awesome books to keep you entertained. You can touch grass, grab some lemonade, and enjoy TBR's picks. It is great for readers of all stripes. There are plans for all budgets. That's right. Every single budget out there. There's an option for you. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. And Jen, you are one of the driving forces behind that. Is that right? I do help manage it and I do some bibliologisting. Don't tell anybody. So yeah. uh, it was, it's super fun because so much of my job is just like spreadsheets at this point in my career. Mm-hmm. Yep. So getting to pick out like the perfect books for somebody who wants, you know, whatever they're looking for. It's funny, too, because Jamie will assign me like these kind of she knows my wheelhouse is really what Jamie Canavase, who's uh-huh. writes our unusual suspects newsletter. Um, She's so good at this. She'll give me like the people who are like, I would like hyper specific business nonfiction. And I'm like, crack knuckles. Mm-hmm. I got you. And then she'll give me like, <laughs> the people who are like, I just want like escape. And I'm like, I also have you like my wheelhouses yes. are many and varied. And she knows them very well. Um, yeah. So she does a great job of matching up the the readers to the bibliologists. 
Well, and just as an observer, it's so funny to see someone jump into the Book Riot Slack and be like, yes. okay, everybody, <laughs> I need a dystopian, hard science romance featuring at least one queer relationship and someone has to have a monkey. Yes, yes. And then so everybody will be like, hmm, let's all work together and make this happen. There's definitely some hive minding of those wrecks going on because truly some people want very specific things. And sometimes those books don't exist, but you want to like make sure they don't actually exist before you tell somebody it doesn't exist. So, yeah, it's, it's helpful to have the hive mind available for those moments. And I feel like people are great at figuring out the vibe. Like, what is yes. the vibe somebody's yes. going for? Because so. it usually is vibes, really, that somebody's looking for. Yeah. So everybody check out mytbr.co. You'll be glad you did. You can be part of this Indeed. wonderful journey that people like Jenna are on. Please don't ask for that many specifics. <laughs> it makes it really yeah. hard to recommend you books. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll be, you'll be deep in the vibes. Uh, So, Jen, I wanted to take advantage of having you join us on the podcast and talk a little bit about anthologies, because anthologies are a big deal in romance. There's a lot of anthologies of romance novellas that we've seen. Like, it's just a fairly common thing. I was actually... Well, I'm going to talk about one a book later that started as a part of an anthology. And uh, anthologies are a little thing that you are actually quite familiar with, having edited two of them. One of them most recently, Fit for the Gods, just came out within the last few weeks, right? Yeah, it did. It came out on August 1st, which feels absolutely wild. Um, I started working on that one before Swordstone Table was even out. It turns out I was checking my emails and I was like, what was 2021 Jen doing? But um, yeah. <laughs> it did mm-hmm. happen that way. I just love, I love anthologies. I love reading them. I love curating them. I don't care I honestly don't care what kind of anthology it is, like nonfiction, fiction, romance, sci fi, mm-hmm. like whatever. I just think they're amazing, which it always makes me sad because people are like, oh, you know, anthologies don't sell. Like people don't want anthologies. Like it's very oh. rare that an anthology is going to hit the bestseller list. And I'm always like, but why? Like what's wrong yeah. with all of you? <laughs> yeah. That you don't want this. Yeah, you I mean, you have so many chances to find yeah. something that you like love. I yeah, no that is is so is that is it your love of anthologies that made you decide that you wanted to like jump into editing them? How did how did that come to be? Yeah, so it was a combination of things. It was definitely like I just love them so much. I can't get enough of them and I have like, you know, been obsessed with anthologies for a long time. Um, But it also was like, I wasn't seeing stories that I wanted to see. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it's so obvious that somebody should be writing these stories. Like for Swordstone Table, it was, you know, like gender bent, queer, race bent, et cetera, inclusive King Arthur. I'm like, there's so much right there. Like, what if Mordred was a girl, for example? Like, that's why Mm -hmm. Mordred can't inherit. Mordred's a girl. Or like anything. I mean, you know, I mean, like Lancelot and King Arthur is like right there. (laughs) It's like right there. Um, So there's so much that just seems so obvious. And I just wasn't seeing as many stories as I wanted. Of course, by the time the book came out, I was not the only one having this thought. So we got like a slew of Arthurian retellings in 2021, which I could not have been happier about. Like, Mm -hmm. there's always more room as far as I'm concerned for retellings, especially if we're getting them from people who don't normally get to tell those stories, right? Like writers Mm -hmm. who have been marginalized or underrepresented, like getting their stab at these retellings is like what I live for. But so, yeah, so it was very much like, you know, I don't write the stories I want to read. I ask other people to write them. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that would be my strategy as well. Good call. Right. Right. Like, I don't want to write it. I just want you to write it for me so I can read it. That's what I want. And it turns out people will if you ask them sometimes. And I want to ask you a little bit about that, because I will say I love Swordstone Table. I read, I think, probably half the stories in that one. 
I will be honest, I was just not that familiar with King Arthur. So mm. it's, it still was very accessible to me, but I'm even more excited about Fit for the Gods because it's Greek mythology, which I'm just yes. a lot more familiar with. And you've got authors that we love here uh, on When in Romance, actually. Yes. How do you yes. how do you reach out to Alyssa Cole and get her to write a story for you? <laughs> well, Alyssa Cole is this is going to sound like a brag, but I have known Alyssa Cole for a very long time, actually. Aw. She used to run a book club out of a, a romance book club out of a bookstore I worked for, and we mm-hmm. met that way and like friended each other. So mm-hmm. I actually have known her for a long time and count her as a friend. I'm an extremely lucky person. This is what I will tell you. If you want to make friends with authors, getting a bookstore event job is the way to do it. It will also destroy sure. your health and your brain, but you will meet a yeah. lot of people. Um, so it's just a trade-off, right? Like how long can you do it and how many authors can you meet in the time that you do it? Um, so I like yeah, meeting Alyssa at that point before she was super famous and, you know, Stephen King was like tweeting about her was serendipitous because it does mean that now I can be like, I can send her an email and I know she's going to read it. She might not say yes, but she's going to read it. Sure. And she did say yes, which was amazing. So, yeah, that was super exciting. So Lika Snyder actually came in through the open call, which I wasn't expecting. Oh, that's awesome. Which was super cool. Yeah. So we did we did ask some people and then we did an open call. And so we got people like that way. So Zoraida Cordova, who people on this podcast should know, she we asked specifically. Yeah, you might know her as Zoe Castile. Yeah, Zoe Castile. Yeah, yeah. And Zuleika, right, came in through the open call. I feel like Mia P. Manansala is romance adjacent. She's got a lot of romantic subplots in her cozies. Um, they're super good. And then, yeah, obviously mm-hmm. Alyssa is like a big deal. But we did that in Sword Stone Table, too. You know, Sarah McLean said yes to us um, and wrote about a blacksmith warrior lady, which was awesome. Um, you mm-hmm. can actually get that story on its own now if like you were only interested in Sarah McLean retelling King Arthur. I just saw on Instagram she's got it packaged as a standalone. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but obviously, like, I encourage you to read the Of whole course. Thing. <laughs> but I, I, this was the other thing that as I do get a little frustrated about with anthologies is so often they are one genre. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be sci-fi or it'll be fantasy or it'll be nonfiction essays. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I read across all genres and I know I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And I remember being nervous and talking to our agent like, well, will like publishers do this? Because, you know, publishers rely really heavily on category marketing. Sure. And if your book doesn't fit into any one category, sometimes they're like pass. Mm-hmm. But we got lucky. We got lucky that our, our editor saw the vision and convinced marketing, I guess. So how did that work? Do you have like, do you have a editor and then a publisher and then you get the stories or do you have the stories and kind of take them whole cloth? Yeah, yeah. So the way you have to do it is you have to get an agent if you don't already have one. So you have to put together an agent proposal. And you might have stories at that point. You might not. Depending on the agent, they might take you. They might not Mm -hmm. with or without the stories. Um, But you have to do the whole proposal agent query thing. And then your agent takes your proposal and you have to have, for an anthology, you have to have three to five stories already written. Okay. And if you, like me, are not a writer, that means you have to go find people and be like, hi, I can't pay you yet. And I may never be able to pay you. Will you write me this story (laughs) so I can try to sell this book? Yeah. Which is nerve wracking, let me tell you. Like going to authors you respect and admire and be like, hi, do you want to work for me for free? Mm -hmm. Like that, I promise I'll pay you someday. Like I really hope to be able to pay you. I don't know how much because who knows how much this book will sell for. Like that is extremely nerve wracking. Takes a lot of like hold your breath and hit send. Sure. Kind of yeah. moments. But I got really lucky. People said yes. And so then you have three to five stories. You package that up with the proposal and your agent like sends it out to editors they think might bite. Okay. And then hopefully a publisher says yes. And then when you so like how much if you are reaching out to an author or when you ask folks to come in through kind of an open call, did you ask them to yeah. send a full story or like a pitch? Yeah. So the open call was post us selling the book because okay. I didn't want to like I didn't want to ask the entire internet to write me sure. a story without being sure I could pay yeah. them for it. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I'm willing to ask three writers who understand the deal, mm-hmm. but, like, the whole internet? No, I'm not willing to do that. So we sold the book, and then we continued to query, you know, specific authors that we wanted to work with, um, some of whom said yes, some of whom said no, like, mm-hmm. got plenty of no's, yeah. totally normal and fine. 
And then, but we knew we also wanted to do an open call because we were hoping specifically to get to some people who, like, we wouldn't know to ask them whether they're new to us or we just didn't, it just didn't occur to us that they mm-hmm. would like to write one of these. Yeah. Um, and which is exactly what happened. We got people who, like, were names who just, like, saw it and were like, oh, yeah, I want to write that. And then we got people who, you know, had not been published or had only been published in, like, very small independent mm-hmm. places or, you know, whatever. And so then you go through those. And those are whole stories. Those are Uh whole stories. I mean, we specifically asked for whole stories for those. Mm -hmm. And then you weed through them and you try to like figure out what combination of them is going to make the anthology. Mm -hmm. It would be so hard for me to tell people no. Was that like... It was, it's brutal. It's excruciating, especially because we could have done like five anthologies with Mm -hmm. all of the stories we got. We got 500-ish submissions. Oh my gosh. And one or the other of us read all of them. Like Sharif and I did this together and one or the other of us read, like we each, we split it in half and we read all of them or at least most of all of them. We might've gotten only three fourths of the way through a story before realizing it wasn't the right story for us, but Mm -hmm. like still we read them. Yeah. And then, you know, narrowing it down to our each top picks. And then we had to fight over those top picks yeah. to see how many we could get in. Because you also have to consider, like, a publisher, generally speaking, needs a bunch of names, like capital N names, yeah. to sell yeah. a book, mm-hmm. right? For the marketing copy. Like, so if you don't have Alyssa Cole, who's mm-hmm. going to buy your book? So, and you have to have enough of those names to appeal to enough people that marketing will sign off on it. So we could only have so many new or, you know, undiscovered writers. So it was hard because there were so many more stories that I wanted to take, but we just couldn't. We just couldn't. Yeah. So, you know, it's... uh, And there were some stories that I was like, this is amazing. I am not the right editor for this story. Like, we're just not the right editor. This is not the right collection for this one. Like, this is a great story. And some of those I sent people like hey, I hope you'll send this out to other places because I think it's ready to go. It's just not ready to go for us. Yeah. So, yeah. But I. But for the most part, you know, we couldn't, literally could not respond to every single one of those people. So we only responded to the people who we took their stories or who there were like a handful that I was like, I just regret deeply that I cannot take this story and I really hope you'll send it out other places. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would I know, that might even be like just the. It's hard. It's so hard. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I could do it. I might never be able to edit an anthology. Yeah. Now I just know that about myself, and that's fine. You and Jess. <laughs> There's a lot of spreadsheeting too. Yeah, yes. I know. I was just thinking about Jess's anthology. So right, she she curated and edited Black Love Matters, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, I love this anthology too. It is so. I love reading thoughtful, nuanced like loving takes on genre fiction that like get into the like how and why they work and Black Love Mm -hmm. Matters does that so well and there's so many there's like several of those essays that like literally blew the top off of my head like I was like oh my Mm -hmm. gosh I suddenly understand some things um which was really cool but I was like how how did Jess do this one like I can only imagine she leveraged her connections and like did a lot of them on request but like did she do an open call I don't know and yeah like how did she put it together I'm one of the these days, I'm going to make her tell me. <laughs> I was going to say, you have the wrong host in the chair today to be able to answer those questions. But maybe we will uh, follow yeah. up with Jess next time around and, and get some answers. Yeah. Yeah. So last question. I don't know if you're allowed to even say, so obviously don't say anything you can't mm. say. But if you were going to go for number three, is there anything in the pipeline? Is there anything that is on your mind that you would love to see an anthology about? Or is there anything that you would love to see an anthology of that you probably won't do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm really loving. There's a lot of these in YA there where authors Mm -hmm. from specific communities are getting together to tell their stories. And like I'm thinking of A Thousand and One Nights, which is all uh, Asian, Southeast Asian, East Asian, um, ghosty and like other just like fairy tale and mythology retellings. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I don't see as many of those in adult sci-fi and fantasy. And I don't really understand why. So, like, those that are, like, uh, let's call it vibes-based anthologies, YA gets a ton of them, adult does not, and I don't understand. Romance, I think, is super good at this, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, I'm thinking of more Actually, which I adore, I own, yes. and, like, reread every holiday season at this point, mm-hmm. um, because that's all, you know, holiday vibes, yeah. and I thought it was so good. Um, and it really does fix so many of the things that are wrong with Love Actually. Yeah. And uh, the Hamilton's been Italian trio. Yes, Hamilton's Battalion. Speaking yes, of Alyssa Cole, exactly. With her and Courtney yes. Milan, and I believe Rose Lerner was the third author on that. 
Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So like, I think romance is, has figured this out, right? Like romance, mm-hmm. ha- like so many things, romance has figured it out. And the rest of us are just trying to catch up. So I wish that there were more of those kinds of things. It's not that they don't exist in sci-fi fantasy. There's just not as many of them. Mm-hmm. I want more. I always want more. <laughs> I always want more. I am plotting my third one, though. I like. I will do this for as long as people will say yes to me and publishers will publish it. Like, I will do this for as long as other people let me because I love the process of, like, Mm co-editing is really amazing. Like, getting those two brains together and figuring out what's going to make sense and what's going to work. And I love it when people write stories for me. And then I love, like, getting, you know, to see their names like the book exists in the world now that's just the coolest feeling so but I can't I can't tell you the topics because I'm still trying to figure it out that's fair one day hopefully we'll be able to announce number three and I will say speaking of the book existing in the world the cover is rad so it's so good right yeah everyone should take a quick look at that and then order the book obviously it's beautiful it's super cool and there's romance in it. Yes, exactly. And Swordstone Table. So. Actually, I'll, I will link to both so that folks can take a look and, you know, decide what they want to do. Thank you. All right. Thank you for letting me pick your brain about that. We have actually <laughs> another topic that you suggested. But before we get to it, yes. we're going to take another break. All right, Jen. This topic was your idea, I think, largely because of a book that you happened to be reading at the time. Can you introduce <laughs> folks to our, our next topic? Yes. So when I knew that I was going to come on the show, I happened to be tearing my way through Shelley Laurenston's Honey Badger Chronicles. Like I was like compulsively borrowing and reading them from the library. Like I just could not stop. I would like sit down and be like, I'm going to read 10 minutes. And then like half an hour later, I was like, I guess I should go back to work now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is yeah. happening to me? And I realized that it really, I had been really struggling to read prior to that point for all kinds of reasons. Summer is a slump season for me. I just, like, I'll have, like, three weeks of enjoying wearing short sleeves, and then I just want the heat to stop. I'm not a summer person. So, and my brain just turns off if there's too much heat for too long. It just doesn't work. So I was really struggling to read earlier this summer, and I don't even remember how I ended up picking this up. Like, I I literally don't know how the first book in the series made made its way onto my e-reader from the library. But it did. And like the next thing I knew, I was able to read like whatever again. Like I was mm-hmm. reading Shelley Lawrence, but I was also able to read a bunch of other things. And I, I remembered that like, yeah, sometimes one book or one series is all it takes to bust you out of a reading slump. Like you just need those neurons to fire again or something. Science. Put science there. Yeah. Let's assume it's science. And I have to tell you. It's science. (laughs) You will appreciate this having read those books recently. I read the first book or two at the very beginning of the pandemic, like Mm. March or April of 2020. And I remember a scene where they're having a barbecue and all of these shifters are there. And so they need like 90 steaks and like 17 chickens and whatever. And I don't know how well (laughs) folks remember that era of time, but it was actually very difficult to get a lot of meat in grocery stores. I remember thinking to myself, where on earth are they getting all of this meat? It's a pandemic. (laughs) Uh, And then remembering that books are not real life. And in fact, (laughs) this book was published significantly before the pandemic. Yeah, it is funny how like you can remember a point in time with a particular book. And that is my point in time with the Honey Badgers. Yeah, I really kind of wish, I mean, I don't wish it because then they wouldn't have broken me out of my reading slump this summer, but I do wish I could go back in time and give them to like March 2020, Jen, because I think it would have really, I was in a desperate, I mean, I think a lot of us were in a desperate reading slump during the pandemic too. Like sometimes things just get really hard and your brain breaks. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I was like, what if we did reading slumps and I will think of books other than the Honey Badger Chronicles to talk about? And you fortunately said yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying yes. Because I did not have any other ideas for this show. (laughs) Well, and we obviously, of course, would have found something. But I, boy, I will tell you what, I have had more trouble with reading slumps, even not so much 2020, but just in the last year or two than I have Mm. ever had before. And I think I've come up with some strategies to help get myself out of it. Although more often than not, it sort of happens accidentally, like it sounds like happened with you. Yeah. Yes. But I will, when I'm in a reading slump, what I will often do is go back and reread stuff that I know. Are yes. you a rereader? I am. I am. 
Yeah, Jess is not. It is one of the few things that we are on opposite sides of in the romance world. Mm. But I, yeah, I think that is one thing that works for me. Another thing that tends to work for me is finding like an expansive world of character, like a dynasty, like something that you can drop into and plan to stay for a while. So, for example, we've talked about the Blessings series by Beverly Jenkins before. It's her modern day series. The first book in the series is Bring on the Blessings. It's about I don't know if you've read these, Jen. It's a I read I read the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And they are like they're a little bit zany. Like there's a little bit of yeah. um, like you have to they're not super realistic fiction. There's like a lot of humor in them. It's the premise is that this woman, Bernadine, on her 52nd birthday, finds that her husband is cheating on her. He is very, very rich. And so as a result of the divorce, she gets very, very rich and buys a town and decides to use the town to adopt some children out of, you know, uh, the child welfare system to pair them with parents that she's also bringing to the town. She's like, building a school, building all these houses. She ends up with $275 Mm -hmm. million. So she has a lot of potential. And the series at this point is probably like 10, 11, maybe even 12 books long. So Mm. that's actually another one that I read um, summer of 2020 and just like fell into it and had read the first 10 books in probably two weeks. Like it was just that kind of a, a thing. I will say... The series is more romance adjacent than romance. Mm. There are romantic storylines in pretty much all of the books, but some of them kind of come back and forth over the course of the series. Some of them kind of wax and wane, and they're generally, with the exception of maybe a couple of them, including the first, they're not generally like the focus of the book. So know that going in, but like that is one of the worlds that I have fallen into. And then Mm -hmm. another one that I have just discovered is the Wallflowers and Ravenel world of Lisa Kleypas. I had never read anything by Lisa Kleypas. I tend to be a person who reads historical fiction like every 18 months to two years. And then I read nothing (laughs) but historical romance for like four months. And then I don't read it again for like two years. And I'm in a moment, Jen, of uh, reading historical romance. <laughs> so I had always heard great things about Lisa Kleypas's books. So I started with um, Secrets of a Summer Night. I would say that's where you want to start. It's the first in a series of four books about four young women who are all wallflowers. And they, for various reasons, cannot find a match, cannot find a husband, decide to help each other out. And the first woman in the series is Annabelle, who's she has a title, but no money. And so uh, she has a businessman who has no title, but a ton of money, who wants her to be his mistress. And then, you know, they go back and forth, you know, things ensue. Uh, and it ends up being obviously a very fun story. It's a very fun series. But the best part about it is that 30 years Later in the timeline, there is a new series that Mm. kind of revisits some of these characters, revisits some of the, like, the children of the original four characters are now the main characters in the Ravenel series. Cold-Hearted Rake is the first book in that series. So, like I said, it's just, it's been nice to be able to start into a series and know that not only is the series mostly completed, but I there's like 11 books that you can read. So if you connect with it, you can hang out there for a really long time. And that's, for me, one of my favorite things in romance. And for me, a a really helpful thing to breaking a a slump, because if you can get started on the road, then you can wander down it for a while. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the Honey Badger Chronicles, I was saying, like, I was compulsively getting the next one and then the next one and then the next one. Mm-hmm. It's And speaking of not realistic, y'all, like, <laughs> I was trying to explain the plot line of uh, the first one, Hot and Badger, to somebody. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it actually doesn't matter. Like, it's three sisters. They're all badger shapeshifters. There is, like, black ops and, like, basketball yeah. games and hockey and malls and barbecues and, you know, explosions and FBI and, like, lawn, money laundry. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you're just there for the ride. Isn't the first one in that series the one that opens with, like, a woman falling naked through, like, a glass hotel room 
door or ceiling. So yeah. Yes. In fact, yeah. it is. And you're like, there's nothing realistic. I mean, even though it's it's already not realism because it's shifters, right? It's like shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it takes it to the nth degree. And that's what I love about them. They're absurd. And they're so satisfying in their absurdity. Like, it's just so much fun mm -hmm. to fall down that rabbit hole. And I will say, it's not a complete series, I don't think, which makes me really happy because the most recent one just came out in 2023. So like more are being added and I will be reading these until Lawrenceton stops writing them. Like I will read these forever. But there's like five, right? There's five. I'm probably going to buy all of them so that they can be part of my reading slump reread. Nice. Library. Honestly. Uh, so, yes, a big cosign for series is um, the one thing that happens to me with series, is, uh, which leads me to my next recommendation, is that some, they often tend to be one specific kind of romantic pairing. Yep. Right. Like Honey Badger Chronicles, yep. at least all of the ones I've read are male, female. Mm -hmm. And so you don't always get you know, diversity of pairings in a series. Yeah. But that's one of the things I love about The Witches of Thistle Grove by Lana Harper. I mean, it's it's witches, so like right there. It's I mean, it's of cozy, it's witchy. Like, what more do you need to break a reading slump? I don't know. And each pairing, each romantic pairing is different. So the first one is female-female. Uh, the second one is male-female. And then the third one has a non-binary love interest. I mean, it's just like, and, and these are ongoing too. There's four. The most recent one was published this year. And I just love like it's a small town. So you get that going for it. But there's like real stuff going on here too. Like they're dealing with trauma. They're dealing with who do I want to be in this world and also magic. So it gives sure. me everything that I want. It gives me everything that I want. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I will say one of the things that has worked for me. So actually, surprise! I just took a quick look. Despite the fact that last episode was all about witches, they did not mention the Lana Harper series, <gasps> as far as I can yes. tell from the show notes. I've only listened to about half of it. So so you have added on. This is like <laughs> the continuity, the bridge from last, last episode to this one. Yeah. So bonus rec. Everybody like think back to last episode. And you, you, got, you got it all. It's funny that you mentioned like things that you like and that you're looking for. It sounds so stupid, but another thing that I sometimes try to do to break a reading slump is read something I like, which is mm -hmm. to say, like, <laughs> I am very much a plot person. I am, like, the characters are fine. I need to have them have some kind of growth and some kind of development, but I am much more likely to enjoy a book if there is, like, some kind of fairly major secondary plot going on, right? Like, I think a lot of people really loved the newest Kate Claiborne book, Georgie All Along, and I really enjoyed it too, but it felt like there wasn't a ton happening. And so I, when I was trying to figure out why everybody else loved it a little more than I did, I think that's what it was. It's a great book. I totally recommend yeah. it. But I am more likely to be like, okay, who's the – what's the mystery? What are we trying to do? Right. Like, where is right. the, you know, black ops, like you were saying? Like, what's going right. on here? <laughs> right. And so right. one of the books – and also, again, I try to – Look for authors that have a backlist because there's nothing worse than finishing a book and being like, oh, this is the only thing this author has ever written. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm super excited about them. And this is their only book. So I would recommend a book for me, like Think of England works really well because it is a romance. Mm -hmm. It's a great romance. It's not super long. But there's like conspiracy and like crimes and people dealing with mm -hmm. grief. And um, it's essentially about a... It happens. It takes place in the early 1900s. A veteran has been a uh, victim of a really terrible military accident. He lost friends. And he's trying to figure out if it was actually an accident or if maybe they were set up. And so he, in part of his trying to figure that out, ends up in this country house with these people who he thinks might have been involved. He ends up in a compromising situation with someone else who is also trying to figure out what went wrong. And it is actually better for the people in the house to think that the two of them are lovers than for them to understand that both of these people are trying to figure out whether there was sabotage. Mm. So it's a great romance and there's a lot of emotion in it. But there's also like this secondary storyline and there's a lot going on. Um, and KJ Charles has written a bunch of books. So I'm just saying... If you're trying to break a slump, you might want to think of England by K.J. Charles. <laughs> I hear.
hear you. I'm more of a character person that like I obviously I prefer both, but if I can if if one is going to lean in one direction or the other, I really much prefer good like solid characters who I can be like, "Oh, I have so many feelings about mm-hmm. you." So, like, I loved Georgie all along, um, and it didn't even occur to me until you started talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how there's, like, there's not actually a lot of plot there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really not that much plot. It's all personal development for the most part. There's no actual external, like, conflicts going on. Yeah. And so, it's funny. I'm thinking about this now because now you've made me think about it. And I do think I know that pacing is super important to me when I'm in a reading slump, like if something is dragging, Mm -hmm. whether it's like a character feels stuck in a character development rut and they're not making any progress or the plot isn't going anywhere, Mm -hmm. I can't, if like, especially if I'm in a reading slump, I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm out. You have, you have lost me. Um, So as long as things are moving, it's in some way, I will hang. But if it takes too long to get to whatever's next, whether it's character or plot, I am I am out. Yeah. I'm out. So that's a that and that's you can't tell until you start reading the book. Yeah. Like I can know a book has like some of my favorite tropes, but until I get in there, I don't know what the author thinks of pacing and if their preferences match mine. Yeah. So that can be tricky. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about, though. I have another series here that like in, is by different people, which is kind of like an anthology, actually, Ooh. now that I'm thinking about this. It's kind of like an anthology because they're all doing the same thing, but in their own way. So it's the Meant to Be series, which started with Julie Murphy's If the Shoe Fits, which is a, cinder- a contemporary... Oh, yeah. Like rom-com Cinderella, right? And then book two was by the book, which is Beauty and the Beast done by Jasmine Guillory, which is, you know, excellent and takes place in like publishing in New York. So obviously I'm like, yep, Mm -hmm. done. And then the newest one just came out. It's Kiss the Girl, perfectly timed for Disney's air, right? The Little Mermaid by Zoraida Cordova, who you might know as Zoe Castile. And I'm so excited for that one to come. And I'm waiting for my copy to get here. Um, But I'm so excited about it. Because it it is, it's like, again, it's vibes. Like, they're all doing contemporary rom-com-y type rewrites of different fairy tales. So, like, I know that I like the thing that they're all doing, but I get different versions of that thing because they each, they write differently, right? They have different styles. They have different ways of developing their characters. Like, they have different heat levels, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just, I just love that that you can have that kind of thing in one series. I just wish there were more than three. (laughs) I wish there were more than three. Yeah, and there's not a ton of that type of series i feel like in romance if folks have um, ideas or suggestions definitely send them on but and there are a few there are a handful but it's yeah not super common to have a series like that of different authors outside of an anthology yeah i and i can't honestly think of a series in a other genre that does Mm -hmm. this really i cannot think of I can't think of another series that does this. I want more of it, though. Please, like, please, publishing, can I have more? Same. (laughs) And my sense from you, Jen, is that you are a person who can put down a book if you're not into it. Is that right? Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. I feel like a lot of people have trouble with that. I would encourage you, if you are in a reading slump, to give it another try. Like, download something from the library, download a sample of something, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And if you don't like it, just don't continue. But if you really, really can't do that, I also sometimes recommend breaking a reading slump with by reading something short, because that way you're, you know, you haven't you haven't put too right. much time in. Um, <laughs> and we've talked about a bunch of different novellas on the series on the podcast. We talked about anthologies even today, but a couple that you might check out are Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. Uh, that is one that features two, I would say, more mature characters. One of the women is in her early 70s. The other is, I believe, 69. So they are they are older than we often see in romance, which is kind of a fun thing. And also they are trying to get revenge. And it is very satisfying. Plus, Courtney Milan has a huge backlist. So again, if you find that you're into it, you got other options. The other just quick recommendation uh, that I will make, partly because you are on with us today, Jen, is a book called The mm. Heart is a Universe. Have you read this by Sherry Thomas? 
I love Sherry Thomas, and I can't remember. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it. I it's it's entirely possible that you haven't because it's pretty different. It's sci-fi fantasy. I think sci-fi. I'm very bad at which is which, but I'm pretty sure this is sci-fi. That's okay. Uh, it takes place on a remote planet, and it, it's a novella. It's a fairly 32,000 words, so I guess that would be, oh, 134 pages. I read it in one sitting. It was originally part of an anthology, actually, where you had to guess who was the author. There were like six stories and six authors, Ooh. and you had to guess who had done which. And eventually, they revealed who had done what. So now this book, The Heart is a Universe, is published separately. It's about this remote planet where they, I think, assign early on, like as a child or even a baby or toddler, someone to eventually grow up and be like a human sacrifice for the planet. Uh, and so it features this one woman, Vitalis, who is about to be sacrificed. She has been the chosen one. She has known that about herself for a long time. She really doesn't want to do it. And she meets this prince who has dealt with chronic illness, and he wants to marry her before she sacrifices herself. They get together, feelings happen. I found it really interesting. It was unlike anything that I had read, at least in a really long time. I will say the ending happens very quickly. Like, if you mm. need a lot of time tying up loose ends, this one may not be for you. But it is a fun little sci-fi romance. It is very different from a lot of other romance. So uh, yeah, might be might be worth taking a look at to break your reading slump. Nice. I love Sherry Thomas. She's one of those authors who can hop genres like nobody's business. Like she's written historical. She's written, you know, wuxia. She's written fantasy. Yeah. She's written sci-fi. She's written like, well, she can write whatever she yeah. wants. And it's good. Yeah. Which is Amazing and also infuriating. Yes. One day she'll write a story for me. One day. Someday. One day. <laughs> Just got to talk her into it. Uh, okay, so let's see. Oh, right. I was thinking about what else helps me with a slump. And I was thinking about like when a story gives me sort of multiple sensory experiences, which sounds like a weird thing to say about a book because truly you're just getting like you're reading it. But I was thinking about a book that broke a reading slump for me last year, which is The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes mm -hmm. by Zoe Axelrod, um, which is the first in the Lily series. The next one comes out next year, which I'm excited about. But it really does feel like a standalone at this point. So like treat it that way, I guess. But it's because the main character is in a band. Mm -hmm. um, she's a musician and she's like, you know, not making it like she's, you know, she's playing dive bars like she's got her guitar like she's mm -hmm. her mother was a wasn't a musician, um, but she's just like she's not really doing much. And then she gets the chance to be a backup musician for this like band that's like hitting all of the you know, it's like it's their big moment and they need uh, some some musicians. And so she auditions and it turns out that her like high school crush who disappeared one day and like never told her what was up and they had held this whole plan to escape together um he's their manager of course mm -hmm. so you get this great second chance romance but you also get this like very multimedia reading experience because there's like Axelrod pays such attention to the music part of it that you feel like you can hear it. Yeah. And I there's a playlist. Like Axelrod is also a musician. Mm -hmm. So like when I read this book, I had all of these things going on and it helped me so much. I mean, it doesn't hurt that this book is like excellent, yeah. but I think also like the multiple sort of touch points was really helpful for me. I love that book. And I yes. don't want to disappoint you, but I think the next one in the series, I think it was the, a, a book that I picked for most anticipated of 2022. Uh, it has gotten pushed no! a few times. No. Um, and of course, no author owes us anything, as we always talk about on the show. No. But we might be waiting a little while for that next story. I mean... I did say if you treat it like a standalone, yes. it's probably for the yeah. best. And I meant it. It really does it's stand so alone good. quite nicely. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so good. So, it, yeah, it's hard to be satisfied when you know there could be more. But, like, if you can just pretend you don't yes. know that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anything else you want to mention before we uh, let people go go forth? Oh, yes. 
One more. So you talked about historicals, which I also think are super helpful because obviously I don't live in Regency whatever. So, you know, it is an escape, quote unquote, for me for the most part. Um, It's nothing to do with my daily life, which Mm -hmm. is also super important to me when I'm in a slump. Like sometimes I need catharsis and something that like feels like it sees me where I am. But mostly I just want to get out of whatever is going on in my head. Um, And so escapism is, you know, the way I want to go. And I do love historicals, although they are I like go I go through phases too yeah. Trisha. I mine is not quite as predictable as yours but I definitely like hop around between romantic subgenres um but when I was thinking about books that I would recommend to people for uh historicals that will help you break a slump and I was trying not to like go with the you know usual suspects mm-hmm. I remembered A Summer for Scandal which also is kind of like a Pride and Prejudice retelling um by Lydia San Andres it's so good it's so good it's it, like it opens, I think, with this woman like tossing this guy out of a boat <laughs> because he insults her writing without realizing it. She Amelia writes stories uh, like a very like sexy romantic serial under a pseudonym. And this is in the like, you know, the historical times. I can't remember exactly which time period, but it's it's you know, she's wearing like a bustle yeah. and stuff. And Reuben, who she tosses out of the boat, is a critic and also a writer who is very literary and is very like aggressively cruel in his r- reviews mm. that he writes of other mm-hmm. people's works. And so he's like totally panned her um, stuff and does not know that it's it's her. And, you know, of course they fall in of love, course. of course. Um, but it's so satisfying. And it's set in the Caribbean, which is like perfect, yeah. right? Like I get a new location for me and I get a retelling of a story that I love and I get an even better story out of it. So, yeah, super, super recommend uh, Summer for Scandal by Lydia San Andres. Well, I, I love that book as well. And I have to say, Jen, if Everybody who is listening to this cannot break a reading slump at this point, given all of these recommendations. <laughs> there may be no choice. Right. You, you might just have to switch over to movies for a while, watch some documentaries or something. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Read a graphic novel, yeah. maybe. Like, try something super different. Yeah. And then come back. But yes. <laughs> I can recommend a couple of TV series that I've really enjoyed lately. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Mm. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, I am so excited that we got to talk about all of this. We crammed a lot in to this episode, um, but it was a delight. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I always love coming on the show. It's a, so much fun. Well, we will have you back again soon. Hopefully we don't have to wait until your third anthology is out. But if we do, that's fine. <laughs> Um, a huge thanks to our other favorite Jen, our audio editor, Jen Zink, who is wonderful. Mm-hmm. If anyone has thoughts, questions, anything, you can find us on email and social media. We give you those links every single time, but uh, they will also be in the show notes. Jen, I will get any contact information that you are interested in sharing um, and stick that in the show notes as well so people can mm-hmm. follow along with your adventures. Please do rate and review the podcast. People can find our show more easily if you do we so appreciate it jen any parting words for folks as we close this one out romance is awesome those are my parting romance words. is <laughs> awesome those are great parting words happy slump breaking everybody and as jess would tell you happy reading <laughs> <laughs>